We are on Ksubis Lamed Zayin Abbez 37b2 in the first column in the Art Scroll Gemara. Uh, the Gemara has been going through different psukim where uh, it implies either the concept of Kimle, it seems to be an extra Pasuk verse that teaches us about the concept of Kimle that um, when there are two punishments, one is a death penalty and one is a monetary payment that one would only receive the death penalty and not be obligated to pay the payment. Or, uh, the, the psukim are really there, at least in the conclusion, it's there to teach you uh, about, no, that in a situation where a person is deserving of the death penalty, a person cannot get out of the death penalty through payment. A person cannot pay their way out of getting um, the death penalty. Um, and so on that note, the Gemara now will continue with other psukim, other verses which seem to be superfluous because it is teaching us a similar idea. And so the Pasuk says, this is actually the very next Pasuk, the very next verse um, from what the different from the two different verses that we've been discussing until now from the last class. And it says, The the Pasuk says, the land will not have kapara, will not have atonement for the blood spilled in it, except through the blood of the one who spilled it, i.e. except through the death penalty, meaning there's no way of atonement besides for the death penalty. So the Gemara asks, Lamali, why do I need this Pasuk? Why do I need this verse? We've already had this uh, earlier. Uh, the the last two verses that are, are, are in the Torah before this verse uh, already teaches this idea that the the only way to receive kapara to receive atonement is by the death penalty itself, and it's not uh, through any payment. So the Gemara answer is no. That verse is really for a different halacha, a different law about a different, totally different situation, which is found elsewhere in the Torah. It's not even within that context uh, written down within that context itself, but it's really there to teach us about something else in the Torah. And so that that issue. That discussion is, is about um, Egla Arufa, the concept of Egla Arufa. And so we'll just explain what Egla Arufa is briefly. Uh, there's a lot to discuss on Egla Arufa, but it's uh, it's not really for now. But just a, a brief introduction to Egla Arufa is that what happens if in, in Israel, outside of a town, a person is found murdered. We find the victim of somebody who's murdered, uh, and we don't know who the murderer is. We looked into it, we can't find the murderer. So the law is, that the Zakanim, the elders of the town, uh, nearest to, to this uh, victim. So they basically have a whole process where they do this ceremony of Egla Arufa. They basically take a calf that was never worked and they bring it to a field uh, that was never uh, worked on and they kill the calf. And in this ritual, they declare basically their innocence, that uh, they are innocent and that they, they were not involved with, the, with this death. Uh, because perhaps uh, if it was within the closest, outside of their town, they're the closest town, so then maybe they should bear responsibility for not uh, taking care of uh, the people within their town or the people traveling within their town. Um, and so they, they do this process to say that they were they were innocent because we have not, they have not found the murderer. Um, and that is the, uh, that's the situation of, that, that is the uh, case of Egla Arufa, of the concept of Egla Arufa. And so the Gemara says that the Pasuk that we just quoted has to do with 
this case of Eglah Rufa, we really need that verse to teach us about the following. One would have thought that when a person, when the Beisdim, when the court, and the Zakanim, the elders of this town, they perform this uh, process, this uh, ritual, um, and they basically declare their innocence, so then maybe one would have thought that, let's say they afterwards they find the murderer, they end up finding the murderer, and he's found to be guilty. Maybe such a person should not receive the death penalty because it happens after this whole process. Comes our Pasuk that we're discussing, and our Pasuk basically says that no, that um, that any time where a person is deserving of the death penalty, so then there's no way of replacing it, and they should receive the death penalty. Do not say that this process of the Egla Arufa is a way out, and therefore the murderer should not receive the death penalty. No, this murderer should in fact receive the death penalty. So the Gemara asks, wait a minute, within the context of Egla Arufa itself, when the Psukim and the verses in the Torah discuss Egla Arufa, there is a verse which seemingly tells us also that uh, the, the murderer is still obligated in the death penalty, even if he's caught and found after this whole process. The Bumar asks, I don't understand. Why do I then need the Pasuk, the verse that says that, you, that, a person, that the court has to get rid of the spillers of innocent blood from your midst? And that's in the context of Egla Rufa, that uh, they are deserving of the death penalty even after, seemingly. That, that's what we thought, that uh, this verse is telling us that um, this person is deserving of the death penalty even after the whole process of Eglah Rufa. Why do I need this Pasuk? We have an, uh, we just mentioned that there's a different Pasuk which teaches this to us. So the Gemara says, no, the verse, the Pasuk of Atatavar is really coming to teach us something else. We need it for the following. How do we know with regards to a person who receives the death penalty uh, with the sword, with somebody who receives, there's four different ways of giving the death penalty. One of them is through the sword. How do we know that uh, it goes to the neck? That we specifically uh, we specifically use the neck. Um, uh, because there's a connection to Egla Rufa, just like by Egla Rufa, the calf is slaughtered uh, by the, the neck area, so too, when it comes to the death penalty, the execution takes place in the neck area. It is important to point out that uh, the neck area was actually the fastest form of death, and so therefore they would use that so that it would be the least amount of pain. Least amount of pain, and so therefore they would use the neck area Tosa says that maybe there was a, another area in the body which would make it easier, uh, but between the two of them, it's basically the same. And this pasuk, this verse, tells us that uh, the neck area is the is the least amount of pain. The Gemara then says, well, if we're really comparing it to, to an egla rufa to this calf, there's other things that we do to this calf that we generally do that we don't do. Not generally, we don't do when it comes to the death penalty. So then, Avkam Orif. So then, if that's the case, so then why don't we always use an axe from the back of the neck, 
just like when it comes to the calf, we use an axe specifically in the back of the neck. That's the, but that's not what we do when it comes to the death penalty. So here the Gemara has a crucial line and says, Amar Nachan, Amar Amar Kamocha. No, we have a pasuk that tells us one of the most famous pesukim, one of the most famous verses in the Torah, V'yahavta l'recha kamocha. You shall love your fellow as yourself. Bar lo misayafa. A person has to, even when a person is deserving of the death penalty, they should receive a favorable death. They should receive a favorable death, meaning a death which is the least amount of pain. Even if they're receiving the death penalty, such a person should have the least amount of pain. And so therefore, even though there's a connection to Eglai Rufa, it only goes so far. It's only with regards to the area, i.e. the neck, but it's not with an axe and not the back of the neck. But we do it in such a way where it would cause the least amount of pain. So just a few comments on, interesting comments on this Gemara. In the end of the day, we had two psukim. The Gemara was discussing two psukim, two verses. The first verse is teaching us that in a situation of Egla Rufa, you might have thought that the murderer gets off and uh, would not receive the death penalty. But no, the verse tells us that they still receive the death penalty even after the elders perform this ritual to say that they are innocent. That's what one verse teaches us. The other verse teaches us that in a case of a uh, a death penalty of the sword, so then the punishment that the person receives is with the with the neck, uh, so that it would cause the least amount of pain, and also because of that you have to love your friend as yourself, and so therefore it should be done with the least amount of pain. Now, when it comes to it's interesting. The Gemara uses the Pasuk, the verse of Yehavta in other cases as well. Um, so for example, it says that a person has to, before a person gets married, before a couple gets married, so then they have to see each other first. They first have to uh, have have an encounter. They have to know who they're marrying before they actually get married. Based on the Pasuk, based on the verse of Yehavta And so... There are other cases also where the Gemara uses it, but not in the regular way. Not in the regular way of just, you have to love your friend as yourself. And so some of the commentators explain, because that's obvious. That's obvious. And so the Pasuk, the verse is coming to teach us even more than that. And so it's coming to teach us uh, about other scenarios, including our Gemara, which is that when a person is deserving of the death penalty, we still have to give them um, a punishment which causes the least amount of pain. Um, and this is from Viahafta the Recha Kamocha. It is interesting. Reya, Reacha is a friend. It's like a, it's a language of a dear friend. And in other contexts, we say that Reacha is not referring to somebody who is not following in the ways of the Torah. That Reacha in general is referring to somebody who is following the ways of the Torah. And yet in this context, that we're discussing somebody who is deserving of the death penalty. Why would the Torah refer to somebody who is deserving of the death penalty as a, as a Reya, as a, very close friend who, in general, it's not used as following the ways of the Torah. Um, in general, it's used in the context of following the ways of the Torah, and here, the person is receiving, is receiving the death penalty. So there's a few answers that are given. It could be that now he is receiving his punishment, and so therefore it's acting as kapara, as an atonement, so he, he really is viewed as re'acha, as, as your dear friend. Another explanation is that but prior to the death penalty, they have to recite vidui. They have to recite the vidui, the confession, and the fact that they are doing tshuva, that they are regretting their actions. And so therefore, they could they could do tshuva, they could repent, and then they are viewed as reyacha, as a dear friend. One more point, 
Returning back to the situation of Egla Rufa, just an interesting point is that the Gemara originally thought that uh, as long as the process is done of Egla Rufa, so then if the murderer is caught uh, after that process, so then the, the Gemara initially thought that that murderer would be exempt from the death penalty. What kind of what kind of havamina? What kind of initial thought process is that? What's the connection? between whether or not the murderer receives the death penalty and this process of Egla Rufa. Why would, we, why would we even make such a connection? So this is a very uh, important point, um, which is made here by some of the later commentators, which is that uh, this kapara, this whole process of the Egla Rufa is acting as a kapara, as an atonement, and it's an atonement to the court. So one might have thought that the court, in general, the court is responsible for um, punishing uh, for punishing, uh, it's their responsibility to punish people. Um, and so once they are viewed as innocent, in this case, maybe there's no longer a responsibility that they have. It's no longer their obligation to find the murderer, which then reflects, and that, that was the initial thought process, but then that reflects on the entire concept of the death penalty. Is the death penalty an obligation on the court uh, or is it an obligation on the person who did the who committed the sin, that the person who committed the sin, the way that person receives atonement or a punishment is by receiving the death penalty. That's one way of looking at it. Alternatively, it sounds more from our Gemara that it's not necessarily on the person, on the murderer, but it's really on the court, that the court has an obligation to um, to punish and uh, to bring atonement uh, through the death penalty. Um, and perhaps this would have a significant ramification with regards to, to a situation where a person does something where that person is deserving of the death penalty, do they have an obligation? Does that person have an obligation to turn themselves in? Do they have? Let's say they want to do tshuva, they want to repent. Do they have an obligation to turn themselves in? Are they are they obligated to receive the death penalty, or do we say that no, that obligation really falls on the court? The court has to find the person guilty, but the, that person doesn't have to turn him or herself in. That's not required, but the court has to do it. Uh, and so that would be an interesting uh, question that comes out of our Gemara. Okay, let's read a few more lines in our Gemara. Uh, new, a new Pasuk, a new verse that seems to be superfluous. We have a Pasuk in the book of Vayikra, which tells us that Cherim can be used as a language of uh, somebody who's deserving of the death penalty. So anybody who's deserving of the death penalty... There is no pedia. There's no way of uh, getting out of it, of redeeming yourself from the death penalty. That's one way of reading that pasuk, of that verse. So, uh, why do I need that verse? We already stated before that we have multiple psukim that teach us this idea. So why do we need an additional pasuk? So the Gemara answers, the Gemara will have two answers, but today, in this recording, we'll read the first answer, and then we'll see the second answer in the next class. We need it for the following b'risa. Minayin le'yotzi l'hareg. This really has to do with the laws of Erechen. Erechen are laws that uh, a person essentially uh, promises to um, to give to, to the base of Mikdash, to give as a donation the value of a certain person. They say the value of that person, uh, that I will donate to the base of Mikdash. And so the Torah has a whole list of how much depending on the age and the gender, how much is the exact value? Now, what if it's a person who is deserving of the death penalty, a person who's already found to be guilty? 
Um, and so therefore they're about to die. They're about to, to, to have the death penalty. So then do they have any value in this context or not? So the Gemara says, how do we know that they do not have value? When a person is condemned to the death penalty, they cannot be redeemed. They have no monetary value in this context of Erechim. So the Gemara says, continuing on the Bryce, One might have thought that this applies even to a person who um, did not yet receive the death penalty. A A person A says, uh, I will donate to the base of Migdash the value of person B. And at that time when person A took this promise, person B was not yet found guilty. That person B was not yet found guilty. Only afterwards was person B found guilty. Maybe then person A should not be required to pay because in the end of the day, person B was was guilty and was deserving of the death penalty. No, because they weren't at the time of the promise, they weren't yet deserving of the death penalty. The Torah tells us, Minah Adam from a man, Minah Adam, but not all cases. In some cases, but not in all cases. It's limiting to tell us in a case where the person is really deserving the death penalty and they've already had a trial and a decision, so then they don't have value when it comes to Erechim. Uh, however, if it's before uh, the decision, so then, uh, and the person promises, person A promises to pay the value of that such a person, of person B, so then, that would be recognized, and the person would have to pay. Person A would, in fact, have to pay. Okay? The Gemara, uh, we'll begin this in the next class, but the Gemara then says, wait a minute, not everybody agrees to this idea. Rabbi Hanani ben Akavya argues and says that, no, everybody, no matter what, everybody, even if a person is deserving the death penalty, they still have a value when it comes to Erechen. They still have a value, and the person would still have to pay for their for their value. So then why do you need the Pasuk? That will be discussed in our next class.